Uh, for those that got here a little bit late, you're probably glad for that. Uh, so every once in a while we run on Puerto Rico time, amen? And that was this morning. So John chapter 5, I don't know about you guys, I'm glad to be in church. I'm glad to still be saved, how about you? Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've heard a lot recently about people talking about prophetic events and things like that. And I'm glad that I've got truth. I'm glad that I know truth. I'm glad I have the Word of God. Uh, I'm also glad that I was taught how to write, divide the Word of God and understand that I'm not going to be here for the Great Tribulation. And I, I just mentioned that because that seems to be a theme that a lot of people are kind of hung up on these days. And it's not the theme of our, our study this morning. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that some people, the same people that kind of like struggle with long lines at the grocery store and traffic in Denver are like, I'm going to make it to the Great Tribulation. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're probably not. You're probably not. All right. Uh, so I, I will say this, kind of uh, switching over to what we're talking about this morning. And for those visiting, we're really glad you're here this morning. Uh, we're in John chapter five. And and I kind of want to give you some things to consider. I've heard oftentimes people say, well, what proof is there that Jesus has existed? Uh, well, first off, there's the calendar. Secondly, there's history. Uh, thirdly, there's the Bible. And they go, well, the Bible can't be accepted because it, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's a religious book. Well, the Bible's not a religious book. It's a history book. And the difference is that God shows up in history and man doesn't like it. Uh, and uh, so what people will say is, well, there's no real proof for Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just, you know, some guys telling a story. I could go uh, just kind of rapid fire real quick. If you, got, you ever study the, listen, no one, anyone with the, and I don't mean this to be funny, anyone with a brain that's ever read history knows the person Jesus existed. The question is, is he who he said he was? That, if, you're, if you're at least an honest skeptic, ask that question. Don't be, a, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean, but don't be an idiot and be like, Jews never existed. You're ignoring all kinds of historical proof, and, and it's there, and you've got to deal with it. There's secular historians that wrote about this man named Jesus Christ outside of the Bible. All right, so the question is, is he who he said he was? Now, that tends to be the theme of John chapter 5. Anybody here ever dealt with someone uh, that says, uh, I, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus? Anybody ever heard that? All right, well, that's in John chapter 5. Uh, here's another one. I believe in Jesus. I think he's a good man, a good prophet, you know, uh, but uh, he's definitely not, you know, the son of God, not the savior of the world, and that kind of thing. Anybody ever heard that before? All right. Uh, well, those are all fun, and they're cute, but there's no substance to them. If I walked up to Steon and said, I want you to prove that you never killed anybody, Steon's like, well, where do I start? I, I've never killed anybody. Yeah, I want proof of that. Okay, well, I'm not in jail. There's one. Uh, I have no blood on my hands. There's, you know, I could go on and on. The way people approach God, here's the real issue. You need to understand this. The issue with the person of Jesus Christ and the issue when it comes to proper judgment is not intellect. The issue is not intellect. The issue is the heart. All right. The reason why people struggle with the idea. Now think about this. Here's a man that never hurt anybody. A man that never abused a woman. A man that never took advantage of a woman. A man that you gentlemen here that think you're so self-righteous, here's a man that never looked at a woman and lusted after her in his heart. I could go on and on. And here's a, basically, here's, a, a man, here's the image of everything that this world wants in a person, and it's found in Jesus Christ, and people don't want him. Now, you guys should say, why is that? I'll tell you why it is. Because the flip side of that coin is, if I don't measure up, what does that mean in regards to how God deals with me? I don't measure up to Jesus Christ, and we talked about this already. We talked about the fact that there's uh, different judgments in the Bible. Look, uh, I'll tell you right now, the, the best way, the best way to approach God is to start right here at the cross of Calvary. 
And you say, why? Because all the sins that I've committed, and I've committed a lot of them, and if you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you, all right? Uh, anyone that's married is like, well, I'm a pretty good person. I love when I'm talking to a guy. I remember you know, going out street preaching or something like that, and then you, you talk to a guy who's like, I think I'm a pretty good guy. I'm like, hey, is he a pretty good guy? Hmm. You know, she'll give that look like, not really, you know. Uh, listen, uh, all of us are sinners. And, and when you come to the cross of Calvary, what you realize is this. God's judgment was poured out on the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. His judgment on sin has already, if you're saved, it's already been taken care of right there. And if you're not saved, good news, you can get saved today. <laughs> uh, until which time this event right here happens, you're good, right? Once this happens, things change a little bit. Uh, but listen, if you're without Jesus Christ, trust him and all your sin will be taken care of. Now, once you get saved, the question is, do you still sin? Absolutely. And so you know what the Lord does? He tells you, I want you to judge yourself. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Keep your hand in John 5. You say, Pastor, we haven't read anything yet. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. I, I recognize that. I recognize that. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, notice that, uh, I, I know sometimes you guys are like, poor pastor, he's old and we got to help him out. Uh, th- those, uh, I, I, I get every once in a while, I'll tell an illustration, I go, did I tell that recently? And I can tell by someone looks in your face, you're like, I know where this is going. I'm like, yep, I did. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and the reason I want you to go here is this. Uh, the judgment on the sin that was on your soul is taken care of on Calvary. Now, there are some people that what they do is they say this, well, because all of your sins have been taken care of because you're, if you're a saved individual and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, all your sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you are practically in everyday life. You're sinless, so there's no sins to confess. There's no need. To, now, the Bible says in 1 John 1, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all what? Unrighteousness. All right. You know what that means? From a daily perspective, I still sin. When it comes to my soul, my soul is sinless because my soul is already in the image of his, which is sinlessness. It's been washed clean. But when it comes to my everyday life in this flesh, because I'm still here, guys. I don't know about you guys. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these, you know, super existential. Are we really here? You know, no, you're here. You're, and if you don't, if you're, if you're one of those people, can I have your wallet, please? You won't miss it because you're not really here. All right. Uh, the the, the tr- I love when people get real super existential and spiritual, and it's like, dude, get, uh, if you feel that way, you really believe, you know, no, none of us are really here. I want the keys to your car. Right. I want your pin number to your bank account. You know why you don't really live that way? Because that's not where you live at every day, right here. Every day, right here, you've got issues in life, even after you get saved. And so even though your sins have been paid for right here, all right, the reality is you are still walking in a sinful body. And here's kind of what it's like. You're, the real you is trapped, you know? Uh, uh, they, they, you know, you like people say all the time, you know, on the inside is a beautiful person waiting to come out. He's just a mean cuss, you know, or something like that. Well, that's true when it comes to you and the, the two natures that you have once you're saved. There's the old nature, that's this right here, and there's the new nature, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, this is already taken care of, but you know what God says about this? On your da- as far as your daily life is concerned, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and this is called self-judgment. Now, let me say this. You are not fit to make any judgment on anything or anybody till you do this first. All right, and that's clear from the Bible. The Bible does say, I, I, people ever, I, I've heard this a million times, you go out and try to share the gospel with someone, and they go, why are you cramming the truth down my throat? Buddy, if I was cramming the truth down your throat, I'd take a gun to your head and say, convert or else. That's, and it doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. Look at the Dark Ages. That's what the Catholic Church did. And they said, convert or we're going to kill you. That's not Bible, guys. You can't force someone to convert. It's a heart issue. 
All right. I'm not cramming anything. I'm giving you an opportunity. What you do with it is completely up to you. How about this? Why are you judging me? I'm not judging you. Uh, I'm not judging you at all. I'm just telling you that judgment is coming. I'm trying to help you escape that judgment. Uh, look at First Corinthians chapter 11, though. And uh, when it comes to judgment, the Lord says that you are to judge righteously. Now look at First Corinthians 11 and look at verse number 30 and 31. I'm not going to go into all the context. I'll just say this is about the Lord's Supper. And this is for believers, not for non-believers, right? But look at verse 30. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would, what? Judge ourselves, we should not be judged. You know what he's talking about? Here's what the Lord is saying. If you would learn, not now, I don't just mean like, oh man, I, I said this word and I shouldn't have said it. I'm talking like, Lord, my motive here is wrong. And I'm pushing for something and I'm manipulating people around me and I'm forcing something. And I know you're not in it. I'm doing it and I'm making it look like you're behind it and it's me. How about try that one on? See, some of you got over the, you know, drinking and partying and this and that and all that stuff that, you know, you shouldn't do and all that kind of stuff. But there's that inward stuff, that bitterness, that resentment, that unforgiveness, that need to say something about someone else just because you, they did you wrong. Now's the chance to say it. Everyone else is going to realize what a jerk that person is. So here I am. Boom. There it is. And now I feel better about me. Nobody else knows that but me and God. And so the Bible says if we would just judge ourselves. You say, what is that? Self-judgment. That's where you go to the Lord every single day and, Lord, and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for what I did. Sorry for what I thought. Lord, sorry for the direction my heart's going in. Lord, would you preserve me? Lord, your word says to give you my heart. Here it is. <laughs> All right? That's the judgment of a son. Now, the judgment of a servant is at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where if you're saved, you're going to go and receive the things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. Now, that's a, a matter of service. That's not a matter of all the sins you've ever committed. It's more a matter of what did you do what, because if it was a matter of that, this is a waste. He, th th your sins are covered right here, guys. This is about the works that you do as a saved individual. Now, you are not saved by works, but you are saved so that you can produce good works, all right? And we're going to look at that later on in Ephesians chapter 2. But the last judgment, and this is the one a lot of people have a problem with. The last judgment is one, I showed this to you before in Romans 3, where man, even though God is, is going to open up all the books, Revelation uh, chapter 20, and uh, the books are open. Another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by those things which were written in the books according to their works. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Well, you know what that is? That's the final judgment. And earlier, last couple of weeks, we talked about this, where Jesus Christ uh, mentions, now keep, keep in mind the backdrop of John 5. He heals somebody, and then they start questioning, who are you? They start questioning and kind of pushing back, like, are you really who you, you say you are? Now, look, if I just saw a guy heal somebody, I'd kind of step back a little bit. Uh, but they didn't. They didn't have a problem with it. They stepped right into it, and they go, who do you think you are? So he goes, well, let me tell you who I am. Uh, I'm here on a mission from the Father, and he's committed all judgment to the Son. And uh, my judgment is just. That's what he says. It's righteous judgment. Now, uh, he's going to be the one, Romans chapter 2, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by that man, Jesus Christ. Do you realize if you're lost without Jesus Christ, there are secret sins that nobody else knows about but you and God? You know what's funny? You Christians believe the Bible and read the Bible. You know, you, you hear the word sin so much, you kind of take it for granted. You know, the lost world kind of laughs at that. What's sin? I'll tell you what sin is. Sin's the thing you do and you double check and make sure nobody else is watching. Sin's the thing that you do that you clear your history on your phone so nobody knows. Sin's a, and then the list goes on. You know what sin Don't play like that. You're not a four-year-old. You know exactly what sin is. 
Uh, sin is unrighteousness. All unrighteousness is sin. Sin is the transgression of the law, where God says, thou shalt not and you shall. <laughs> That's sin. <laughs> and so you know what happens if someone dies without a payment for their sin? If they've never been here, then guess what? They're going to be judged right here. You can have your sins judged here, or you can have your sins judged here. Here's the problem. If you have them judged over here, you don't have to face them out over here. But if you ignore this and go, I'm all right. You know, you ever try to give somebody a gospel track? I'm good. No, you're not. So I'm giving this to you. All right? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not. You know, that's the, the modern American response. Uh, let me tell you something. You get out of America, you get out of the bubble of where we live, and what you realize is people realize how messed up their life is because they don't have all the conveniences that you Americans that, that we have. When you go to a third world country, it's not so much necessarily they're more hungry for God as much as it is that they don't have as many distractions that keep them from God. Uh, now, I'll just say this. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, this is where you're judged. And you go, well, who do you think you are? You know who I think I am? A sinner that deserves to be judged right there. That's who I think I am. I think I deserve to go to hell. How about you? Who's self-righteous, you or me? You go, well, who do you think? You're? I'm nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner that deserves hell. The only reason I stand here to tell you, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. My sins have been covered. They've been paid for because I was, listen, I, I, knew that, I, I knew a good deal when I saw one. God said, I'll take your sins and I'll give you my righteousness. And I said, thank you, Lord, I'll take it. Amen. All right? It, 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 it'd be like tomorrow morning, Bill Gates says, let's switch bank accounts. Who in here wouldn't want to do that? All right, you know, no strings attached. You know what the Lord says? I got something better than that for you. I'll give you my sinless uh, uh, a record. I'll give you my sinlessness on your account. I'll take your sin on mine. I'll wipe the record clean so that when you go to judgment and the devil tries to get up and say, well, you know what Joe did? And you know what Steon did? You know what Pastor Adrian did? You know what Ezekiel did? I saw this and I saw that. And here's the evidence. And the Lord goes, devil, you're 100% right. And yet you're 100% wrong. It's been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. All right. Now, that's now these are the judgments that are mentioned in the New Testament. And what you do with this is up to you. But understand this. God's not unrighteous for judging us. I love it when someone says, if God's a good God, how would he let this happen? OK, I got one for you. Uh, if God's a good God, doesn't he allow you to have free will? Once you call God a despot and a tyrant and once you call God, call God an, you know, you know what someone does when they're in an abusive situation, they control you. And they manipulate you. You know what God says? Do whatever you want. Here's the way to life. A very narrow path and few there be that find it, but it's up to you how you deal with it. You know, we know what happens in an abusive situation. Uh, a man or a woman, for that matter, but these days a lot of times men will con confound and kind of put a woman in a box, try to control her and manipulate her and make sure she doesn't say this and make sure you don't say that and, you know, don't do this. I mean, that's a terrible thing to watch. You know what God is? He's not that. So you can't have it both ways, people. You can't go, I want free will, and then blame God for the stupid stuff that we do. Now, God didn't cause death, and God didn't cause genocide, and God didn't, didn't cause rape and whatever else. So you know what the right thing is for God to do if he allows us to have free will? Is to keep those in account for those, the sins that they do. So you know what God says? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you into account, and I'm going to judge it. But I'm going to judge it one of two ways, depending on how you respond to it. Do you realize he tells, Pharaoh, uh, uh, he tells Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Remember that? over in Exodus. Question, if you're a student of the Bible, who hardens their heart first? Does God do it to Pharaoh or does Pharaoh do it to himself? Pharaoh does it himself, Exodus chapter 8, and then God steps in and goes, okay, buddy, if that's the route you want to go, look, man, we can do this one of two ways. Either you could surrender and you could say, you know what? God is right. I've been wrong. I'm going to let the children of Israel go free and I'll get glory through you that way. 
or I will break you because you resist my will, but I'm going to get glory one of two ways. And so you go, well, how is that fair? God gives you free will. So you know what? You can choose this or you can choose this. I'll tell you what, this is where, the, this is where it's at right here, guys. Man, allow him to take your sins for you. You say, why is that? Because when he looks at us, in, in other words, he can be your judge or he can be your lawyer and you pick. All right, but he's righteous to judge, and that's kind of the point of all this exercise. You need to understand that. Look at John chapter number five. Now we're getting back to the text. Everybody can breathe now, right? We're going to read from the actual text, John chapter five. As a matter of fact, we're only about 20 minutes into it. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? All right, let's do that. Uh, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Lord, maybe someone in Florida would find this cold, but we are thankful to not be negative 20, Lord. And we're thankful for uh, the, the uh, Lord to be able to go outside and move and Lord to come to church this morning and not have traffic issues and not have snow everywhere and just for your goodness on our church, Lord, your provision, your love, your mercy. And Holy Spirit of God, we pray that you would uh, lead and guide us in all truth. If there's anyone here that does not know you as their Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 30. John chapter 5, verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I what? Judge. Judge. Now, let me say this much. Uh, there's a word in our, in our vocabulary that's been taken and, and kind of gone in the wrong direction uh, because of people that abuse it, all right? And I recognize the reason why, uh, but the word discriminate. Now, right away, when you hear that, you think of racism or you think of uh, sexism or whatever else your ism is, all right? Uh, but let me just say this. When you go to that, that light out here at Hamden and Hamden Circle and it's red and you don't blow right through it, you know what you just did? You just discriminated. You judged. That's what discriminate. The definition of discriminate is to judge and discern between things. And you have to have it. If, no, if, there, if there is no such thing as absolutes, if men aren't men, women aren't women, up isn't up, and down isn't down, uh, left isn't left, and right isn't right, man, there's, there's no absolutes. And you know what you have? You have complete chaos. That's the direction that the world is headed. All right, you need to be able to do this. I don't mean in a wrong kind of way or prejudicial way, but you need to have proper judgment, all right? And Jesus says, I can't of my own self do nothing. What I hear that I judge. You know what he's talking about? Hearing the voice of the Father. And I'm gonna explain that in a little bit so you get that, but you know how you're gonna make the right judgments in your life? It's not gonna be because of your intellect or your logic or your friends or your education, I, I'm thankful for people that go through an a four, eight-year education, 12, 16-year education. That's all great. But I'm going to be honest with you. I've met people with degrees that are dumb as a box of rocks when it comes to practical life. I mean, they, they can, you know, they got the degrees on the wall, but man, you ask them to take a left at, you know, at 100 feet and they go, which, which way is left? Dude, man, you got a degree on the wall. You got to be able to help, help yourself a little bit. And I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying education by itself isn't the answer. All right? Uh, listen, education without, uh, without uh, salvation is damnation. Uh, if you don't believe that, now some of you question, you go, education's everything. No, it's not. I can prove it to you. Uh, Germany was the most literate nation on planet Earth, 98.7% literate, when they turned 6 million people and turned them over to concentration camps. Yep. How do you explain that? We're educated. They're more educated. You know what? Americans can barely, coming out of high school, don't tell me, I'll tell you. I have a company that does staffing. You know what we do? We look at high school graduates coming out, and they can't read a tape measure. They can barely write. They know how to type, but they can't spell. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying, look, we're in trouble when it comes to that. But here's a country at the time of, in the 1930s and 40s that was very literate, very well educated, and guess what? 
You know what they did? They did stuff, and they followed a demon-possessed man to their own death. Yep. How do you explain that? I'll tell you how to explain that, because if, if you can have all the ed- education in the world, it doesn't give you discernment. Right. Education by itself is not the answer. I look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. You need to learn to hear from the voice of God. And Christian, let me say this. And if you, if you get out of this, I'm anti-education. Absolutely and not. Absolutely not, guys. I need to get, get a hold of this. When, if I ever go to surgery... And I have someone that's sitting over me with a scalpel and a bunch of surgical tools. And I'm like, so where'd you go to school? Oh, I didn't. I'm like, stop. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. I'm not saying education's bad. What, I, what I'm saying is this. You can't rely on your flesh to make the right decisions. All right. Your flesh is not capable. If you don't believe that, you go three chapters into the Bible where man is tested for the first time and he blows it. Look, he had everything perfectly surrounding, everything was right, and he talked to God, all that stuff was in the right place, and guess what? They went according to their heart instead of the voice of God. They listened to a different voice and not God's. Uh, Look at Hebrews chapter 5. You know how Jesus said he would make the proper judgment? Uh, The Bible says, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night in our Wednesday night series on the churches and the seven churches in Revelation, talked about the fact that his eyes were as a flame of fire. And uh, nothing gets past the eyes of God. And the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And his eyes look at things, and his eyes are the ones that try things and say they're right or they're wrong. My eyes are jaded. My eyes are jaded with, with hey, look, I like that person. I don't think it's really that big of a deal. My eyes aren't his eyes. i got to say, Lord, how do you see it? And the only way I know to do that is to get into this book. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5. Look again at verse number 12. Hebrews 5, verse 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Now, if you're not familiar with that word, you're going to find that a lot in the Old Testament, the oracle. All right? Uh, Think of it this way. Oracle. People relate that. They kind of uh, 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 equate that these days with a vision. But what it really is is this. Oral. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceedeth out of the what? Mouth of God. All right, so an oracle, any vision that someone gets should be according to the words of God. Uh, If any man speak, it says in Romans, let him speak the things which be the oracles of God. In other words, if I'm going to get up and say this is what I think and this is what I feel and my opinion is this, that's that's of no value to you. I should get up and say the Bible says right? And so look at Hebrews 5 again real quickly, talking about the oracles of God. Uh, Look down at uh, verse 12, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. This is an escalation, a progression, if you will. Someone starts with milk and they end up with meat. I'm pretty sure it's not vegan meat, but whatever. Look at verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a what? All right. But strong what? Belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses, what? To discern both good and evil. You know how you, you, know how you get uh, the right spiritual muscles? You go, okay, I know what I want. And I know I can make it look like God is for this. But Lord, what do you actually want? 
I know I could cover it up and everyone around me, pastor wouldn't know, and this person wouldn't know, and this person wouldn't know. But Lord, I, I really, really want you to be the one that makes this decision. God, I, I want to I trust, what does your word say about this? You know, people will say oftentimes, should I take this job? Well, let's talk about it. Uh, what will that job do for you? Well, I'll get more money. Great, okay. Uh, what else? What else? Let's talk about it. What else will that job do for your walk with God? What will that do for your opportunity to lead your family as far as the Bible is concerned? What will it do for your opportunity to be a witness for Jesus Christ? What will it do for your opportunity to be in church? What will it do for your, you know, you say, what is that? Testing it according to the Word of God, not just what I think and what I want. All right, now look, you'll look at the world and go, they don't know how to judge anything. They don't know their left hand from the right hand. That's biblical, Jonah. Lost people aren't supposed to know. They have their conscience and they can know what sin is. But as far as like real right judgment in life, you know who should be leading the way? You believers. All right. The Bible says over there in Jonah that uh, 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 God talks to Jonah at the end of Jonah, Jonah chapter four. And then the, the whole the whole book ends with a question mark, which is a really sad statement on someone's life. Uh, uh, and that's not how you want to you end your life with an exclamation point, not a question mark. All right. Uh, but anyways, God says to him, Can't, you really are upset with me that, that I'm going to. I'm going to have mercy and preserve this many hundreds of thousands of people who could not discern between their left hand and their right hand. Now, why do you say that? Because people that are without the Spirit of God can't discern things like you can. The question is, are you taking advantage of the tools and the resources that God's given you? I know some believers that live like practical atheists. I, I wanted to do it. I could do it, so I did it. Yeah. All right, well, where's God in that? Right. Did, you, did you pray? Did you seek His Word? And let me just say this, and I mean this sincerely, like don't reach out to someone on the other side of the country and ask them their opinion when you haven't gone to the word of God and you haven't gone to the people that God's put in your life to help you go, here's what the Bible says. You know what you ought to do first? Seek the voice of the Lord. All right. So again, we're talking about his proper judgment. And I'm going to say this right now. The only way to make that is with the word of God. Look at Hebrews chapter four. Go back one chapter. Hebrews chapter four. And I know that many of you are familiar with this verse. Some of you could even quote it right now, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but look at Hebrews 4. We're going to read it anyways. Look at verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, quick means alive, not just fast, right? For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know why a lot of people don't want the Bible preached at them? Because they know the Bible. It's not, listen, this is the only book. And I, I read a lot. I'm sure some of you out there read a lot. Uh, I, I like to read, I mean, read books on business and read books on history and read books on, on devotion and prayer and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. There is no book that reads me when I'm reading it like that book. There, you know why? Because the authors are not just human beings. They're the, it's the Spirit of God. And look what it says. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. He's giving you a a human or fleshly illustration of what the Word of God does spiritually inside of you, and is a discerner, look at that right there, verse 12, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the intellect. Is that what it says? No, it's not. the intellect's not the issue. I'm trying to get you to get that. When it comes to proper judgment, the issue is the heart. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, if you close this up, you're not going to make the right kind of judgments in your life. Um, and, and so what the Lord is saying in John chapter 5 is, look, I'm going to make the right judgment, uh, not just because of who sent me, but because what I'm following. And he's following the voice of the Father, which are the words of God, as you learn about in Matthew chapter 4. It is righteous judgment or just judgment. Now look at Exodus chapter 28. Exodus chapter 28. Exodus 28. 
and kind of drive this thought home that it's, it's the heart. The heart's the issue. Uh, I've had someone say, what about the heathen in Africa? When I talk to them about getting saved, and they'll go, well, what if God cares about us, and what about the people that have never heard what you're telling me? And I'll ask them, if I could answer that question, and I can answer it from the Bible, will you get saved? You know, some people have been honest enough to say no. You know why? Because they don't care about the answer. And when you put up a straw man argument against God, that's the issue. It's not your intellect. It's your heart. Um, we uh, sometimes go and preach on college campuses, and Brother Sean can attest this. Some of the other guys can as well. Uh, we'll have the professors come out and cause more disruption than the students do sometimes. You say, why? They don't want anyone exposing their, their issues. If someone comes in there and says, hey, buddy, the emperor has no clothes, when the emperor's like, no, I'm dressed, I'm dressed, I'm dressed. No, buddy, you, the emperor has no clothes. Uh, when someone comes in and says, look, the Bible says everything's going to be open and naked before him. With all your degrees and all your, your accolades and all the academia behind you, respectfully, I appreciate the years you've invested in your education, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's not going to get you to escape the damnation of hell if you reject Jesus Christ. If you reject God's gift, if someone's telling you, let me show you the way out, let me show you the way out. Let me show you the way out. And you go, no thanks. And at the end, you end up dying as a result of it. You're going you're to stand up and go, that guy was a jerk. You know, that guy was trying to help you out. He was the only one trying to tell you this is the way out. So, so that's what's going on in, 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 in modern society. People blaming God when the real, the real issue is this. You just don't want to face judgment because you want a cloak for your sin. And you know what Jesus says in John? I believe it's in John 7. We're going to look at it later. Uh, they had a cloak for their sin until I showed up. Once I showed up, everything was exposed. And uh, look at Exodus chapter 28. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 29. Exodus 28, this is talking about the the breastplate of judgment that Aaron would wear. Uh, he's the high priest, and of course, the high priest is a, a picture of Jesus Christ because he is our high priest. Notice what it says in verse 29. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 28. And they shall bind the breastplate by the rings of the rings of the ephod with the lace of blue, that it may be above the curious girl of the ephod, and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. God's given the instruction how to keep it on the right way. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel, in the breastplate of what? And it's upon his what? You know, that shows you judgment's not connected with the intellect, it's connected with the heart. All right? When he goeth into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt put the breastplate of judgment, it's called the breastplate of judgment, over and over, the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. The wisest man that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3. Notice verse number 9. What he asked for. Now, I'm not going to teach on, on the, the whole life of Psalms. I'm just going to show you this verse. Give therefore thy servant an understanding what? Heart. Heart. To do what? See? If you, want the, if you want to judge the right way, you've got to make sure your heart's in the right place. And the only way to do that is to make sure it's aligned with what God says, not just what you think. All right. Uh, because, listen, the reason why Jesus Christ's judgment is right and his, his witness is true is because of the fact, and he's called faithful and true in Revelation chapter 3, by the way. Uh, but look at John chapter 15, and we'll go to, back to John chapter 5 here in a moment. John chapter 15. John 15, and look, if you would, at verse number 26. 
This is Sunday what? School. All right. Someone says Sunday Bible study. That'll work as well. That'll work. That'll work. Bible study, Sunday school call, whatever you want. The point is we are going to flip the pages. And I want you to see this stuff. Look, you're not in a church where a guy's going to get up and say a bunch of stuff that you can't understand and go, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. I want you to look at it for yourself. Uh, look at John 15. Look, if you would, at verse number 25. These things have I spoken to you, being yet present with you. This is the, the, uh, the long conversation that starts in John 13 at the Last Supper between Jesus and his disciples. Look at John 15, verse 26. But the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in what? In my name. Is this the wrong chapter? This is the wrong chapter. I can tell because you're looking at me going, well, that's not it. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's a good verse as well. All right. Uh, look at verse 26 of the right chapter. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit... You can't see how I got confused, right? Okay, same subject. Even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of what? Of me. All right, so the idea is this. He's called the spirit of what? Look back at verse 26. What, he's the spirit of what? Truth. All right, so the reason why his judgment is right is because the witness that he has is the spirit of God himself, and the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. And so what does Jesus Christ do? He speaks truth, and he lives truth. All right, so, so the Bible says in Ephesians for us believers to put away lying. Because when you lie, what you do is you deceive yourself. And the more you lie, not listen, not just with your words, with your actions. You say, well, this is the right thing, but I know, you know, I, I got this circumstance and I was raised this way and you don't know what I'm going through and this and that. And there's these factors. And if you could just understand, listen, just stop the stop. Stop. Right. Stop. It's not right. Just say, I want to do it. It's not right. I have a, the Lord has a lot more respect for someone who goes, Lord, I just want to do it because I want to do it. Then someone that goes, well, you don't understand the people around me and this and that. And this. Lord, just to say, let's, let's deal with things the right way. And what the Lord does is he judges things out of truth, not just his own thought. That's why he says, I can of my own self do nothing. What I hear, I judge. What is he listening to? He's listening to the voice of God. And as he listens to the voice of God, and you have that in the words of God, when you listen to the voice of God, you know what you can say? I can't do this on my own, but I'm listening to him. And when I listen to him, I can make the right judgments. God did not put you believers on this earth to try to just figure it all out on your own. Amen. The Lord gave us the scriptures and he gave us the spirit of God. Look back at John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And uh, Jesus says something very curious about his own witness in verse 31. I want to look at that. John chapter 5, verse number 31. John chapter 5, verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is what? Not true. You know what he's saying? Anybody could get up and say, believe me. Trust me. You know what he says? Don't, don't just, if I just got up here and I had no witnesses for what I was saying and I had nothing to back me up. Now, doesn't the Bible say in the Gospels uh, over there in Matthew and doesn't Paul uh, reiterate it as well in uh, Corinthians? Uh, there's uh, uh, the idea that there should be two or three witnesses. Yeah. All right. With two or three witnesses, let every word be what? Established. All right. Well, you know what that means? Uh, that means this. Jesus Christ is saying, hey, don't just believe me because I'm here. Believe me, because I've got some witnesses to back up what I'm saying. For the honest skeptic that would say, okay, I want to hear who those witnesses are, uh, how about this? 500 people that saw him rise from the dead. Uh, how about this? His 12 disciples. Uh, how about this? His 12 disciples that were burnt 
uh, hung upside down on crosses, heads chopped off. Look, man, if, if that whole Jesus thing was a pipe dream and someone says, if you don't recant that you believe Jesus Christ, we're going to chop your head off, I'd be like, you know what? Hey, my bad. Yeah, I, I lied about all that stuff. See you, man. Let me go. See you. Bye. You know what they did? They said, take it off, boys. It's, I'm just, you're just going to liberate me and get me up there sooner than later. You say, what was that? Why did they do that? Well, the reason they did that is because they saw something that they would never forget, and they followed the footsteps of Jesus Christ, and it changed them forever. They couldn't deny what they saw and what they heard and what they handled with their own hands, including the risen Savior after his resurrection. So there's the apostles. There's the Spirit of God. But he cites some other witnesses in this passage that I think are pretty interesting to pay attention to. All right, uh, look at uh, 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 Zach, uh, Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And there's a couple witnesses that the Lord uh, uh, presents in the scriptures. Uh, he talks about John the Baptist. We'll look at that here in just a moment. But look at Revelation chapter 11. And by the way, that's what you're here to do. You are here, to, if you're saved, to be a witness of Jesus Christ. All right, you ever been at a scene of an accident? Anybody ever been at a scene of an accident and the cops show up and they got to take a testimony? Anybody ever been there? All right. Now, by raising your hand, it doesn't mean that we think you're the guilty party. <laughs> I can tell everyone's like, hmm. I, I know my, my daughter, for example, Ariana, got in an accident a couple years ago, and we had to kind of take testimony from people that were as to what happened. Why? Because the police that show up, they weren't there. And there were no cameras there, so they got to go, okay, what did you see? And what did you see? And what did you see? You know what they do? They put it all together. Well, you know what you have? You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know what they did? They threw their testimonies down in a book so you could hear what they experienced and what they saw. You know what's funny? When it comes to George Washington, someone writes a biography about him, and they go, yep, yep, all true. No problem. Someone writes a biography about Jesus Christ. It, you got four biographies in your Bible about the life of Jesus Christ. And they go, well, I don't know, and I'm not sure. And you gotta ask, why is that? Ask yourself why that is. I'll tell you why. Well, George Washington never claimed to walk on water because he couldn't. Sorry. All right. Sorry, my Savior rose from the dead. Sorry, he's very special that way. But it doesn't mean that it didn't happen just because you weren't there. Uh, I saw some college girl go to some preacher and go, well, I, I want proof right now that God exists. He just goes, <laughs> well, that didn't prove anything. You know, we could have come from an accident. First off, that is not scientific. I love it when people cherry pick science, like the science, the science. There is no the science. Science is constantly changing because you constantly have to challenge what people know. Do you even know what the word science means? It means knowledge. Con science with knowledge, conscience. Science is knowledge, and it's always going to change because things that people thought. If you don't believe that, then let's just take leeches and attach them to your skin when you're sick. It's called bloodletting. It's what they did in the 1700s. Why don't we do it anymore? I sure am glad they didn't just say, trust the science. <laughs> you have leeches on you right now. Uh, the, look, you, you, the reason why this book is way ahead of the game, you know what you got? Uh, you've got, you got the, a Bible that tells you about how this thing all started and how it's all going to end. And you know what? I said this before. I'll say it again. I believe in the Big Bang. I do. Sure do. Here's the problem. <laughs> they believe it happened over here, somewhere off in the distance, in a galaxy far, far away. There was an explosion. Out of this explosion came order and structure from, from the chaos. It'd be like me saying, look, man, there was an explosion at a Toyota factory, and there's a 2025 Forerunner. I'm sorry. If you want to sell me a car that came as a result of the explosion, no thanks, buddy. I'm not paying 800 bucks a month for that piece of garbage. You, you, look at, you look at the world. Come on. Be reasonable for the love of God. 
You call yourself educated. Think about it for a moment. If the earth is just a couple hundred, uh, a thousand miles closer to the sun, we, we, we burn up. A little bit further this way, we freeze. Who put that into place? You've got to have some, you can think about it. Okay, let's just, let's go down the bunny trail of the happy myth, just like, you know, the Easter bunny and Santa Claus and, you know, the, the groundhog and the whatever, the Cupid and whatever else. Let's say your, your thought about a big man happened the way that you said it does. All right, after that, let's say that happens, then, then what? Then what? Well, then, then it all came together so that there was life. From what? Well, you know. No, I don't know. None of your say this doesn't make any sense. You know what makes sense? Here's what makes sense. There's an intelligent designer that said, I want it to look like this, and I'm going to separate the waters from the heavens, and I'm going to separate night from day, and I'm going to put this right here, and put this right here. You don't look at anything in this room and go, man, I sure am glad. Sure am glad for modern technology. I really do appreciate the explosion that happened at the light bulb factory. (laughs) All right. You know what? I believe in the Big Bang. I just don't think it happened over here. I think it's going to happen right over here. And his voice is going to speak, and the elements are going to melt with the fervent heat. It's funny how people get things all twisted up. Now, now look at Revelation chapter 11, two witnesses that are mentioned here. Look at Revelation chapter 11. Look at verse number 3. And this is talking about something that goes on in the Great Tribulation. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two what? Pay attention to that. And the two what? Standing before the God of the earth. Go to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. So when the book of James is closing out, it talks about uh, Elijah and it talks about Moses. All right, why is that? Well, I'll give you a a couple guesses. Look at Zechariah chapter 4. The two witnesses, God did not leave us uh, clueless on who they are. Uh, Zechariah chapter 4. And look, and if you're at Zephaniah or a little bit too far uh, back, you go into the right, Zechariah chapter 4, and look at verse number 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me, woke him up, as a man that is waking out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and the seven lamps thereon, there's the seven spirits of God, seven pipes to the seven lamps, a lot like you read in Revelation, which are upon the top thereof, and two what? All trees by it, and one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answer and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, no, no my Lord. It's kind of like, No, that's why I asked the question. Uh, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord in Zerubbabel, so on and so forth. Now you say, What is he talking about? Go down to verse 11. What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick, upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? He said, What are they doing? They're preaching through the Spirit of God. Uh, look at that. Uh, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, no my, no, my Lord. And he says it again. These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord the whole earth. Look at Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. And then we'll go back to Revelation chapter 11 to make sense of it. Matthew chapter 17. Well, it says these are two olive trees, and what do they do? They stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Okay, so let's look at that. Matthew chapter 17. And this is called the Mount of Transfiguration. If you're familiar with it, if you're not, uh, one day Jesus selects Peter, James, and John and says, let's go up into a mountain to pray. And I'll tell you what, it's good to get alone to pray. 
It is. You need that. You need that in your life. And, uh, you know, your mountain might be your backyard, your back porch. It might be, you know, uh, on the side of your bed. But wherever your mountain is, get there because you need that t- time with God. And Jesus himself took that time with the Lord. I was talking to Brother John about this the other day. Remember when Jesus commands his disciples to go to the other side of the, of the lake? Remember that? And uh, they get into a storm. Je- didn't Jesus know they were going to get into a storm? You know what I think he's doing up there, Father? They're not where I'm at yet. They don't trust you like I do yet. Would you help them? Father, whenever it's time, let me know. I'll go down there. That's what he's doing. He's praying. Uh, now, if he did that, you ought to learn to do that too. Now, he goes up to pray. Look at this in verse number uh, 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and who? Elias. That's Elijah. You say, why would those guys be the ones to show up? Well, Moses represents the law. And Elijah represents the prophets. And you know who's right in the middle of both of them? The Lord Jesus Christ. And so you know who fulfills the law and the prophets? Jesus Christ. So Moses and Elijah show up there, and you know what they're doing? They're standing by the Lord of the whole earth. You know who they are? They're the two anointed ones. All right, look at Revelation chapter 11. You know what you have in the Bible? You know what you have in history? You have a testimony to Jesus Christ. Uh, One is found in the law through typology. One is found through the law practically in that no man can keep the law perfectly, and it's our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Then you have the prophets. You've got all these prophets. Someone that says, well, I just don't believe the Bible. Have you ever looked at prophecy? Uh, Someone calculated it once, and I don't remember what the numbers were, but it was like one with, I think, 37 or 47 zeros after it. It'd be one in that many chances that all the prophecies that are particulars about the life and the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they all happen, and they all happen in sequence perfectly, just like the Bible says from the Old Testament. They'd be one in one with 37, maybe it's 47. I don't know. That's a lot of zeros, guys. And so you say, what is that? That's something that is supernatural. That's what that is. All right, so he's got both of those things going for him. Look at Matthew chapter 11, and look at verse number 5, just so you know who they are. Uh, what did Elijah do on Mount Carmel, First uh, Kings 18? What did he call down from heaven? Fire. Look at verse number 5. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Didn't Elijah do that? It didn't rain during the days of his prophecy. All right, look at verse number 6, latter part of the verse. And have power over waters to turn them to blood. Who did that? Exodus. Who turned the water to blood? Moses did. So you know what the Lord is telling you? When you compare Scripture with Scripture, Moses and Elijah, a picture of the law and the prophets. You know what they do? They point people to one person. They point people to Jesus Christ. They're witnesses of him. Look back at John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. The apostles were also witness of Jesus Christ. We understand that. You're a witness of Jesus Christ. Uh, but look at John 5, and we're going to look at one last thing before we close this out. John chapter 5, and uh, he talks about John the Baptist. And without getting into all of it right now, uh, John the Baptist uh, was uh, the, uh, the coming of Elijah for that generation if they had received their Messiah, which they didn't. We'll explain all this next week. But look at John 5 in verse number 32. There is another that beareth witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses, uh, witnesses of me is true. 
Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. Look at, uh, keep your hand in, well, we'll just close with this. Go to Isaiah 40 and Matthew 3. Isaiah 40 and Matthew 3. So oftentimes the title uh, that's given to John the Baptist is that he is the forerunner to Jesus Christ. He's the one that came before him, and that's true. Uh, Look at Isaiah chapter 40. And what's crazy about it is that they are essentially cousins, and, uh, and John doesn't really preach about Jesus until the cer- a certain time. And what that shows you is you can know a lot of things. You don't always need to blurt it all out at once. Uh, there's a practical lesson that. The more Bible you learn, one of the temptations you're going to have sometimes is that whenever you give someone that doesn't have all that, they go, blah. And let me tell you something. They don't need all that right now. Sometimes what you need to do is just say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And you well, that's not real deep. It is for someone that needs it. Uh, look at Isaiah 40. Look at verse number 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare. That's his job. Whoever this person is, their job is to prepare the way for somebody else. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, what, what ends up happening, look at verses 4 and 5. What's interesting about the, the verses prophetically about uh, uh, John the Baptist is that some of the things that are said in Isaiah chapter 40 actually have to do with things that are way beyond at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now you may go, I don't get that. Why is it that some of it applies here and some of it applies here? Uh, Well, uh, I'll explain that next week. You come back, we'll learn about that. But look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And uh, you're going to see this. Isaiah is called a miniature Bible. And every chapter in Isaiah correlates with the book of the Bible. So Isaiah is the 40th book. Matthew is the 40th book. Or, uh, sorry, Isaiah 40 is the uh, chapter 40. is obviously the 40th chapter. Matthew is the 40th book in your Bible. So in Isaiah 40, verse 3, which lines up with Matthew chapter 3, uh, look at verse 3. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, that's Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist's ministry, his entire ministry, the entire purpose was to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Point people to him. You know what I think? I think the purpose of our lives is very similar. Uh, the, the reason you're breathing right now, you know why it is? So you can point people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, if you're saved, think about this. The reason you're breathing is not to make money, and you got, you got to make money and take care of your family and all that stuff's fine. The reason you're breathing is not to be number one in your, in your company, and if God gives you that chance, take it. Nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, the reason you're breathing is so God can find pleasure in you. And one of the ways that you please God is by pointing others to Him. Uh, I've got to share a testimony with you. Javen reached out and he goes, Pastor, I've got to tell you this story. Of course, he called me late at night, Javen. Uh, and uh, i got to tell you this story, man. Uh, I got to lead someone to the Lord. And you know, I was just, I was just beaming. I had so much joy to hear that. Uh, you say, why? Because I love hearing people tell others about Jesus Christ. Christian, that's our job. Let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed. And we'll, uh, Brother Eric, we'll go ahead and give it a 10-minute break. Let folks stretch their legs.